National Public Radio aired a segment on dying well, what the living can learn from the lives of the deceased. A segment featured a marketing expert named Lux Neron. Neron and his employees examine 2,000 editorial, non-paid New York Times obituaries over a 20-month period between 2015 and 2016. What surprised them was the most common word in the obituary was help. Help. They say, I was fascinated when I saw that word because when you're analyzing 2,000 paragraphs of text, you wouldn't expect one or two words to stick out and stand out as prominently as they did. And what we found fascinating when we went through some of these descriptors was the fact that the help took on different contexts. For an example, Reverend Rick Curry, who helped veterans and disabled people by running, running writing and acting workshops. There's Jocelyn Cooper, who was a grassroots organizer in Brooklyn in the 1960s, and she helped pave the way for the first African-American woman to sit in the U.S. Congress. It's beautiful that people are remembered in terms of helping people. And even more fascinating was the fact that the overwhelming majority of obituaries featured people famous and non-famous who did seemingly extraordinary things. They made a positive dent in the fabric of life. They helped. It was beautiful how that word stood out so strongly. Today, we will read the obituary of chosen Moses. Today we're going to a funeral church. I should have told y'all to wear black, my bad. <laughs> Ecclesiastes tells us that it is better to go to a funeral than a party because you learn more at a party, I mean more at a funeral than at a party. Now some of you say, I would argue, Pastor, you ain't been to the parties I've been to. <laughs> no, thank you. Indeed, Moses' life has helped us over these last few months, has it not? Chosen Moses, as we started back in the month of Feb and now uh, getting close to landing the plane, uh, you can go back in time and perhaps remember some of the things that you were doing, some of the conversations you had, some of the difficulties you've had over this span of these past few months, and how this sermon series has spoken directly into your life, got you over some things or, or, or gave you clarity on things in your life that you needed. Moses has helped us with his life. A couple months ago, we started our series in Moses and met him. Remember, remember when we first met our boy Mo there in the basket among the reeds in the Nile by the crocodile? God's grace was there, was it not? It was there. His remarkable life began with God's grace to save him into a family of Pharaoh. Along the way, we have seen Moses' highs and we've seen his lows. That's why I'm grateful that there's no book of Dexter in the Bible. Because if it was, y'all would not let me be your pastor. <laughs> I'm going to drink some water on now. 
Did you hear that one, Rick? LeBron James. <laughs> like most leaders, his highs were high and his lows were low. But what a life he lived. The things he has seen, the things he has done, and, and, and we have had the privilege and opportunity to, to, to watch it and sit by as witnesses over this Netflix series to see the impact of a great life. My boy Mo came a long way from the burning bush. And how about his death? How did Moses die? What can we learn about living and dying and leaving a legacy to the glory of God? Today's title is Why Mo Ain't No Mo. No, I'm messing around. I thought, about, I thought about naming it that. You know, I thought about naming it that. The hood in me wanted to leave it at that. No, nah, Moses dies. That's all that it is. That's all that it is. Uh, uh, but that uh, last title going to stick with you, Jay. <laughs> well, Moses ain't no more. My bad, Demeter. First, <laughs> oh, y'all try to get myself together. Uh, first, previously on Chosen Moses. We are in Deuteronomy 34 today, the last time we saw Moses, if you recall last week, he failed to honor God's command and he struck the rock twice instead of speaking to it. If you were here last week, you'll be reminded that Moses was hot last week. And so he took the stick and did what God told him not to do. And he, and, and, and he spoke to the people and said, you, you rebels, Moses was tired of these people. They've been complaining and grumbling and messing with him. And he finally had his end. And some of y'all can relate to that because some of y'all had that moment this week. Just keep looking at me. You tried to hold it together and be as godly as possible, but sometimes people keep picking on you, and you sanctified in the entirety of your body except for your tongue, and then one day they got it. Amen, somebody keep looking at me. Moses struck the rock, yelled at the people. He did what God told him not to do, and for this, God said he would not personally enter the promised land. We learned last week all leaders are failures and need a savior. There is only one leader that has never failed, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Lamont, this is why we like Moses, but we love us from Jesus. Moses has led them up the edge of the Jordan River. Moses may have hoped for a nice retirement home in the promised land right across the Jordan. Surely a comfortable retirement village with a place to write his memoirs would be in order. But no, Moses' time on earth is done. Not that Moses didn't try to convince God otherwise. Watch this. Moses wanted to go to the promised land. He really wanted to. It says, and I pleaded with the Lord at the time saying, O Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness. Only begun. All that he's seen. That's, that, that says more about God than Moses. He spread at the Red Sea. He sent, he sent plagues. He led them through battles. He rained manna out of heaven. And he said, you're just getting started. I hope that's hopeful for you. Because for all eternity, it's going to take an eternity for an eternal God to unfold all that he is to us, which means that we'll never get bored in eternity. 
Like, 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 no, 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 I need you to get this. Like, 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 we're never going to get bored. You get, you get bored with your favorite artists. You get bored with Netflix shows. You get bored with sports. You, depending on who the play is, we ain't going to go there no more. But, 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 but listen, li- listen here, church. It's going to take God in eternity to unfold all that he is. That day after day after day, he's going to be showing us more of his greatness, more reason to worship him. That's the kind of God that we serve. Oh, Lord, you have only begun to show your serving your greatness in your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Please let me go over. And see the good land beyond the Jordan, that good hill country of Lebanon. Remember, Moses had pleaded with God in the past, and and God relented. God heard Moses, and God God allowed uh, things to happen that God said that he wouldn't do. But when Moses spoke to him, God would relent. But not this time. Sometimes God says, no, church. The Lord said to me, enough from you. Do not speak to me of this matter again. I'm like, dang, God. Why he, like, I mean, he came right at Moses, didn't he? He said, go up to the top of that place and lift up your eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward and look at it with your eyes. For you shall not go over this Jordan, but charge Joshua and courage and strengthen him. For he shall go over He should go over at the head of this people, and he should put them in possession of the land that all you see. Moses was getting ready to face a premature death at 120. That's kind of ironic to even say that, that somebody is facing a premature death at a buck 20. But Moses is, notice verse 7, Moses did not fail to enter Canaan because he died. He died because he failed to enter Canaan. God would not allow him to enter. While it is a little hard to make the chronology chronology precise, Moses set set about to prepare Israel for his death. He comes to grips with, okay, I'm not going to the promised land. God's not going to allow me to go over there. And so Moses takes on the next important thing after coming to grips with his, his death he says that I got I to gotta prepare these people. I got to get them ready for my transition. What would you do if you knew you were about to die? If you had to put some things in order, if, if God gave you the blessing of knowing that this day is going to be your last day, what would be some of the, what, what, what would your priority list look like? What would you write down? What would you How would you, when you gathered your kids, what would you tell them? What would you speak to them? I believe that Moses gives us something important that we all need to lean in on when it comes to preparing for transition, particularly death. Moses devotes himself to preparing Israel to go into the promised land. But how, Moses? This brings us to episode one, what to know before I go. What amazes me about Mo? It's what he decide, what he decided was important to teach Israel before he departed. What did he teach Israel? It's interesting what he didn't teach them that you think he might 
want to teach them, being that they're going into the promised land. And if you remember, they said these people were bigger than them. You'd think that he would have taught them military tactics. How to properly cross the Jordan River, maybe. How to scale the city walls of Jericho, maybe. That seems like that would have been real helpful, Moses. There is little to anything we might call tactically significant. Moses realized that the key to Israel's success was not their military strength, but their spiritual strength. I'm going to say that again. Moses realized as the people of Israel is getting ready to cross over into the Jordan, into the promised land that God has promised them, he didn't see that military strength was of the most importance but their spiritual strength. And how often do we forget about our spiritual life for everything else? If you can't say amen, say out somebody. That oftentimes it is our spiritual nourishment, it is our spiritual discipleship that we allow to take a back seat while we pursue other things. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't pursue other things, but baby, when the thing is said and done, you can't take nothing in this life with you, none of your achievement, none of your degrees, none of your trophies, none of that stuff goes with you. What matters in the end is spiritual. That's why Paul says in the New Testament that, 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 that physical training counts for something, but godliness is forever. For this life and the next. So what does he do? He teaches God's will and God's law. The book of Deuteronomy is Moses' farewell address. You should read it one day. Deuteronomy means literally second law. Second telling of the law, Moses retells the whole Exodus story, and then he reminds Israel of God's law in the covenantal relationship with Yahweh. He reemphasizes the heart with what Jesus called the greatest commandment of all. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your, everybody's scared to say it, they don't know what it is, your strength. 33 chapters of Moses teaching and and repeating the doctrinal truths that would define Israel's success or failure in the future. Godly leaders can care less about you remembering them, but it pains them to see the people of God forget about their God. Let me say that one more time. Godly leaders can care less about you remembering them, but they care the world about the people of God not forgetting who their God is. In fact, every pastor that you sit under, his main goal ought to be is for you to know God more than you know him or her. Moses' entire life at best as a fallen human can was all was always about God. Israel being wasn't about Mo, but it was about God. Mo wanted them to remember God so much that he took the last chapter of his life to remind them about him. He knew success in life was not according to what they had, but who they had. 
He knew if they kept God in their hearts and, and God is their leader, that they would be just fine with him or without him. See, good leadership realizes people can survive without them, but they cannot survive without God. Good leadership realizes that the church will go on without them. But it cannot go on without God. Be careful with preachers who use language as if the church is built on them. Uh, Be careful of preachers who put their face over the face of Jehovah Jireh. Be careful, church. Preachers and teachers and leaders who don't realize that you can survive without them, but you cannot survive without God. Moses reminded them through writing and through song about who this God was, his character, and how faithful he's been. We just sung a minute ago, all my life you have been good. All my life you have been faithful. Chapter 33 records Moses blessing each of the 12 tribes. These blessings serve as aspirational goals and ideas. Side note, time of transitions are great opportunities to inspire others. I've been in the hospital in people's transition moments where, and and you got to love the people who are less focused on death and more focused on encouraging other people because they know where they are going. Friends, I hope that before God calls your number that you are sure where you're going. You don't want to be wrestling with that on your deathbed. And if you're sure where you're going, you can focus less on your death and say, baby, I'm going to a good place. But let me tell you how I got to this place where I'm secure, where I'm confident, where I ain't worried. Let me tell you about this God who walked with me and talked with me and got me through every valley and through every mountain and is with me right now in transition. Ah, y'all ain't seen it. People that's worshiping as they're transitioning. I don't know about you, but I want that to be me. I want my hands in the air if I'm able to. If I can't raise my hand, I want my feet kicking for his glory. If I can't kick my feet, I want my mind to be consumed with the glory and the majesty and the power and the greatness of who he is. Moses ain't worried about a thing. No, not a thing, a thing. He settled in his mind that I'm getting ready to get out of here and he focuses himself on the people. This is Moses. I love the next thing Moses does. Not only does he encourage the people, but he does something very wise. He does something very difficult in one sense. He begins to encourage God's new vessel. He begins to encourage young Joshua. Strapping, good looking, can fight Joshua. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you had somebody getting ready to take your place. You've been at a job where some young person is on the rise. They're, 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 they're ready for the position and, and, and how hard that can be on someone who's been there for a while. Moses, he prepares and empowers Joshua. We see it in the text. Uh, And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of spirit of wisdom. 
But Moses has laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there was not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Here's Moses commissioning Joshua to do the one thing Moses had endured such hardship for 40 years so that he could lead Israel into the promised land, yet he did. All leaders, no matter who they are or what role they play, have a view in replacing themselves. Because all leaders die. There are many stories of leaders who held on too long. Some of y'all may know some of them. <laughs> Pastors who passed it too long. You're like, hey, it's about time for you. You're going to cash it in. Now, ain't nobody going to say nothing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Quarterbacks who kept playing too long. Y'all remember Michael Jordan yeah. when he was on the Wizards? <laughs> time to give it up, Jay. <laughs> You got, you got to know when to cash it in, bro. <laughs> I remember he tried to dunk that last time. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, you can't say nothing. You just, yeah. How I do, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, they can't give up the reins or undermine their success unless their glory eclipse their own. You see this in Magic Johnson, the documentary. Magic struggled to give up the basketball league. He struggled with MJ taking his spot. He tried to come back, but it didn't work for old Magic. It was hard, but Magic finally gave it up. But he struggled because basketball was his savior. When something is our savior, when something is our identity, it is hard to give it up. And friends, this is why whatever you have, you need to hold on to it loosely because one day you're going to have to give it up. But friends, can I tell you, if your faith and your identity is found in Jesus, you ain't never, ever got to give that up. Don't love anything outside of God, not basketball, not your wife, not your husband, not your house. The Bible does not say love your husband, wife, basketball, yeah, 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 degrees with all your mind, with all your heart, and with all your soul. No, it says love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Friends, if you love this life more than God, it will be hard to let it go. Mo teaches us how to transition well. Moses shows no such insecurity. The indications are that he elevated Joshua before the people, knowing his time as a leader was over. There's rare quality and one to admire. Now we get to episode three, and Moses finishes strong. In a moment, we will see that Moses was 120 years old, yet physically and mentally still like a young man. Uh, Y'all didn't catch it. He was a buck 20. 120, Christian. I mean, he's still swatting in the gym. <laughs> Occlusion's nothing for him. He's physically and mentally still like a young man. There's something about being in the presence of God, y'all, that kept Moses the way that he was. Whatever was on God got on Moses. Friends, God will keep you refreshed. He will keep you at peace. He will give you joy. He'll give you peace that won't wear out. He'll give you joy 
that won't wear out. There's something about when you stay in relationship with God that refreshes you. Now, hold on, God. I don't want some of y'all clapping for the wrong reason. I'm not saying that you're going to look like Moses did at a buck 20. I just want to be clear. <laughs> so when them triceps and biceps are hanging <laughs> and gravity takes over, you said, but Pastor, you told me, because I've been praying for 120 years, and now I need, I need plastic surgery. That's not what you said. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that for everybody. What I'm saying is that spiritually, God will keep you and sustain you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me preach real fast. Let me, let me preach real fast. Because, because if you live this life long enough, you're going to go through some stuff. You're going to go through some hardships. You're going to get some bumps and bruises. Spiritually, you're going to be attacked from the left and from the right. And all kind of things going to come up against your faith. Things are going to knock you. Things are going to punch you. Things are going to get you in the headlock. But this is what God says. If you stick with me, baby, no matter what has hit you and bruised you, when it's all said and done, people will say, what's going on? Fruit still on your tree. Joy still going. Self-control still intact. Goodness is coming from you. Why? Because... You planted yourself like the tree by the river, and God will keep you and sustain you. Friends, I'm telling you, life will throw some stuff at you. Life will test you, and though you may not look the same physically, you'll still be renewed day by day in the inside. Somewhere I read that though we're wasting away on the outside, there's something at work on the inside. And that thing on the inside, come here, book of Ephesians, it says that the same power that raised him from the dead, mama, is the same power that's in work in us, okay? You're not with me. Let me see if I can come through this way. In other words, the way that you're going to see that there's a power at work in you is that as you go through life and you go through trials and you realize that those things ain't buried you, you're going to realize that, baby, I got something stronger on the inside of me. That's when you start frustrating your haters, frustrating those who try to come at you and knock you down, and and all of a sudden, they thought they were going to wear you out, but you wearing them out, and you ain't wearing them out because of you, but greater is him that is in you than him that is in the world. My man Moses is climbing mountains. At age 120, Magic Johnson and Jordan wish they had them kind of knees at 120. My man is climbing mountains. But not only does Moses finish strong physically, he finished strong spiritually. Read Deuteronomy. Oh, Deuteronomy is a masterpiece of theology and history coming out of a man 120 years old. It is filled with exhortation and wisdom. I don't know about you, but I want to be so filled with God when I, when I get ready to exit this earth. I, I ain't talking about my house filled with stuff, my bank account filled with stuff. Are y'all feeling where I'm coming from? I'm preaching better than you talking to me. That I want to be filled with what God is. No, I really want to have something to give at the end. I really want to have something to deposit at the end, Will. 
I want to give the generation something that will spur them on to goodness in life. I want to give them something that will give them a bottom to land on when the bottom falls out. I want to give them hope that has a name. I want to show them where, where, where true love resides. Moses did this at 120 and he finishes his life spiritually strong. Come on, Mo. Christians like Moses or Caleb who end their lives spiritually strong are a special gift to the church. Because not everybody finishes strong. I'm going to say it again. Not everybody finishes strong. Not everybody makes it to the finish line. Not everybody leaves this life with their faith intact. Listen, church. Sometimes their last years are sad and bitter or disengaged. But dear older saints, see in Moses a model for how to run the last lap of life well. While our physical vigor may be limited due to illness or setbacks, all of us can end strong spiritually. As Paul wrote once again, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. God and Mo was real cool. If you've been Walking with us, God is Moses' homeboy. Like, they kick it. They talk. They chill. They do things together. And I love what God does for Mo right at the end. Because I think in this, we see God's compassion. We see God's grace. And we see God's love. Watch what he does for our boy Mo. And Moses went up on the plains of Moab to Mount Neboah to the top of that place which is opposite of Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, all of that place in the land of that place in that place. And all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev in the plain, that is the valley of Jericho, the city of the palm trees as far as Zor. And the Lord said to him, this is the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. This is a special moment, y'all. I, I, I can't let y'all miss this. God made a promise. If there was a land that he was going to give his people. And he pulled Moses out of, a, out of the backside of the desert. And he raised him up and he said, Moses, I made a promise way before you ever got here. And I'm going to use you to take my people to this land. But you messed up, Moses. You can't go. But I want to show you that I'm a God that keeps my promises. This is the land that I was talking about, and I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you should not go over there. Did Moses see all of the promised land? We don't know. Maybe God gave him a vision as he told him to look out. Maybe God allowed him to zoom in and see. But episode five, we know that Moses, Moses died, y'all. Moses, servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite of that place. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were undimmed, his vigor unbated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. There is intrigue in Moses' death. How did he die? He was in good health. 
We don't know. His time had come. The text says that God buried Moses in an unmarked grave. This is the only time in Scripture that God ever does this. This, there is some speculation around this. The, the best one, in my opinion, is when we see how Israel is prone to worship the bronze snake or the golden calf. The likelihood of them turning Moses' grave into an idolatrous shrine was high, and God said, let me hide it. Because I don't need y'all worshiping Moses. I need y'all to worship me if y'all are going to be successful in the promise. Let me hide him. Uh-oh. I buried Moses, and God writes his obituary. And there was not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt. So Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land and for all the mighty powers and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. The order of this obituary is important. It starts with his what? With his relationship with God. What is the first line you want in your obituary? The car you drove. The degrees you got. Or do you want it to read he or she had a relationship with God. Moses' obituary says that, that, that not only did he have a relationship with God, but he knew God face to face. This summarized so many episodes where Moses would speak with God. We've seen the intense relationship that he had with God. There was no mistake that Moses had a closeness with God. Even when he went up to Mount Sinai and came back down, his face glowed with the glory of God. Moses served God faithfully for 80 years. And y'all ain't shouting because some of us can't do it for eight hours. Next is the summary of what he did. Relationship and what he did. Relationship and then what he did. What I'm trying to say is that hopefully what you do for God is flowing out of relationship with God. Here it is. It says he did signs and wonders in Egypt, great deeds in the wilderness wanderings. No mention of his murder of the Egyptian, hesitation at the burning bush, outburst of anger, the striking of the rock. Moses was flawed, but he was no failure in his obituary inspired by the Holy Spirit shows how God used flawed people in truly amazing ways. Let that encourage you today. That you may have failures in your past, you may have failures now, but yet God can still use you. How many people know that God can still use you? No matter what you have done. What we learn from Moses? What can we take away? What can we post on social media? What can we Take with us Monday morning because it's coming tomorrow. What do we want to tuck away in the pocket of our hearts as we exit this building and we enter into this world? What can we take with us? Friends, I want you to remember this. All leaders are here to go, but Jesus is here to stay. I want you to remember that all leaders are here to go, but Jesus is here To say this is important. There's a well-known book on church leadership that begins with this truth. All pastors are interim pastors. Is that true? 
As great as Moses was, he was an interim leader of Israel. Many came after him, none as great as him for sure. But Moses was human, and all humans die. And we must all remember that all leaders fail us because they die on us. And what do all these incredible and immensely gifted leaders have in common? They are all dead. Every one of them passed the baton of their ministry and legacy to someone else. This is normal, and and healthy churches view leadership in this way as something to be passed on. All the greats have died. MLK has died. Rosa Parks has died. Augustine has died. You name your favorite theologian. You name your favorite pastor. You name your favorite godly uncle or mother. All of them have passed away. And friends, there is only one leader that has overcome death and never to die again, and his name is Jesus Christ. Let me give it to you the way that Revelation gives it to you. When I saw him, this is John talking, when he saw him in Revelation, he got a view of the resurrected Christ. Y'all are familiar with the Jesus who was born in Bethlehem, a baby. He was meek and humble, but John had a vision of the risen Christ, and he says, when I saw him, He said, I fell at his feet as though I was dead. He said, I saw him and I fell out. But as he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last. What you're saying, Jesus, what you're saying, Jesus, ain't nobody coming before me and ain't nobody coming after me. I'm the first, and I'm the last. Not only am I the first and the last, but I'm the living one. I wish I had a church this morning. God, I may have to preach this all by myself, and that's all right. I'm the first, and I'm the last, and I'm the living one. In other words, I am alive I am well, I am ruling, and I am reigning. So though your leaders may fail and your leaders may die, you remember that there's one that sits on high that will never die. He says, I'm the living one. Now watch this now. And this right here made me almost do a backflip, throw my laptop, shout in my own living room, write myself a love offering, answer my own altar call right here on this one. He said, I die. And behold, I am alive. Forevermore. Now, Rick, that right there is enough to shout. And and you you all should already be on your feet, out the door saying, Pastor, we can't take no more. You done said enough already. Close the sermon, Corey. Time to go home. But he said, not only am I the living one. I don't want y'all to get this mistaken. I also got the keys of death in Hades. In other words, I'm not just the God of the living. I'm the God over the dead. Mm. Why Moses so chill? Because Moses knew that the God that he was serving was the God over the living and the God over the dead. Some of y'all don't read y'all Bibles. Come on over to the Gospels. Do y'all remember when they went up on the mountain of transfiguration and Jesus showed all of his glory? Who showed up with him? Moses was up there, wasn't he? And he knew this God that he was serving. I'm the first and I'm the last. So what I came to tell you today, church, 
Well, Moses teaches us and tells us that if you're going to live this life, you ought to live it for the God who's the God of the living and the God of the dead. If you're going to do this thing, if you're going to walk this thing, if you're going to talk this thing, you better do it with the God who's of the living and of the dead. If you're going to give your life to something, you better give it to the one who's the first and the last. Oh, yes, that's right. Don't just come to church. Don't just clap your hands. Don't just worship anything. You ought to know him. You ought to worship him like you got a relationship with him. So that you, when you wake up in the morning and you get ready for your day and your feet hit the floor, you remind yourself that today this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And when you're done with that, then you say, and on this day, I'm going to live my life for the God who's the God of the living in the dead. No matter what comes my way, I'm living for the God who's the God of the living in the dead. I heard what you said, boss. I heard what you said. I heard you say that y'all may be laying off. What I want you to do is I want you to, hey, just give me 10 minutes. Go to the bathroom, close the door, and say, you know what? This job may be shaky right now, but I just remembered that I serve the God who's the God of the living in the dead. I'm trying to give you something to worship, something to praise him for, something to worship him for. All right, all right, all right, all right. And the reason why that is important, the reason why that is important to know the God that you serve, watch it now because I just don't want you shouting. The reason why that is important is because when that becomes your bedrock, when that becomes your foundation, that is what enables you to live for God for 80 years. That is what allows you to be faithful to God when you realize that you ain't got to do tricks and jump through hoops and make life work and figure things out when you realize that, that, that he's done it already and that he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly. This is what allows you to let go and let God into worship him and to give him your life. And friends, I know how difficult that can be because life can be hard and difficult. But when you realize that he's the God of the living and the God of the dead and you realize that he is the first in the last and all things have been created for him and through him and for him this is what releases us to worship him with our lives so don't you leave here saying to yourself how am I going to create a legacy for myself no don't you leave here doing that don't you leave here saying Okay, how in the world am I going to get myself to be faithful? No, don't you do that. What you do is you set your gaze. The God who is over the living and the dead, and you say, God, I cannot do this. I cannot live a life faithful and committed to you unless you help me. Unless you take me by my hand like a child. And you order my steps and you show me the way 
And when I'm struggling to believe you, and when trials are against me, if you don't take me by the hand and walk me to the places that I need to go, I won't do it. But if you would show me your glory, and if you would walk with me like you walk, like a parent walks with a child, and if you would lead me, then I believe that I can do it. Because if you can lead broke down Israel to the promised land, good God Almighty, you can lead me to the promised land. I wish I had a church right now that knew that God was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or ever think in the able church, in the faithful church. Oh, he's able. I wish I had some folks in the room that have already let go and let God. I wish I had some folks who's worshiping God now who's already determined that his is the glory, yours is the glory, in the honor, in the power, to him and to him alone. Hallowed be your name, God. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May you use us for your faithfulness. May you use us to do your will in the earth because you're faithful and you're good.